there. So we're in 2 Timothy. This is uh, the fourth week we've been in 2 Timothy. And uh, it's pretty interesting how God will will direct me sometimes to, to preach something. And I'm like, well, how am I going to preach this? You know, uh, sometimes I preach in series. Sometimes I preach just a regular, you know, just one message. And uh, through this, some things that the Lord has been just dealing with me, I think it's just amazing how this all just comes together. As I started in 2 Timothy, I thought 2 Timothy was a great, uh, a great uh, set of passages for us to really get into. And I want to tell you something. Coming up, when we get into chapter 3, we're going to be dealing with some things, and we need to understand that as the end times comes, we're not guaranteed to, to uh, not go through persecution. All right? Uh, now, I do not believe we're going to go through the Great Tribulation, and the Great Tribulation is something that happens uh, later on, but I do believe that, uh, that there could be persecution that comes, but we've got to be prepared for that. So when we get into to chapter 3, uh, you know, I just th- hope that we can even learn more about that. But we're in 2 Timothy, and we're s- starting in uh, chapter 2, verse 14 today. And uh, as I have been praying... And as I've been letting the Lord speak to me, as I've told you a lot about, uh, there is lots of ways that you can grow a church today. And uh, there's, there's specific organizations out there who started you know, about 20 years ago uh, just specifically to, to grow churches. And what is very interesting is we're not seeing church growth. Yeah, we see some mega churches and we see some churches that grow, but we're not really seeing church growth. And we're definitely not seeing spiritual growth because in the United States, projection right now, we have about 22 to 25% of people in the United States that say they attend church. The projection is by 2050 that only 11% of Americans will attend church at the rate that it's going right now. I've told you this, and I hope that you get it in your spirit that every week, one to 200 churches close their doors. Every week, six to 10,000 churches a year are shutting down. Pastors are leaving the ministry for this reason, that reason, whatever reason, but they're leaving the ministry in droves. We have churches that are open that don't have anybody to lead them. And some churches are nice churches. I know some, there are some churches that I'm like, that, that would be a great church. They got 50, 60 people going to church there. You know, it, they, they would have, the, the pastor would have a full-time salary. They've got enough money. I know some of the people in these, some of these churches, and I'm amazed that they don't even have a pastor to, to pastor them. So we have a dilemma, and that's why I like what Daniel was praying there, that God would send a supernatural revival to this nation. And we've seen God do a few things like that in the past with a Pensacola revival that happened in Pensacola, Florida, went on for seven years. And we've seen some great things come out of that. Great ministries have come out of that revival. And we could name off some other revivals that have occurred. But we need a fresh anointing of God on us. But the question goes back to that I look at is when, when Paul was, was about, he knew he was about to go, so he's writing Second Timothy. He's writing this to Timothy. And I say, remember what I said, if it's in the Scripture, it's written to you too, Okay. It's not just written to Timothy, it's written to you too. So we need to read this as that, that the Lord is speaking it to us also, and it's great. You know, it's it's sad that Paul had to be in prison, but it was great he was in prison because he had to write all these epistles, and now we have them today that we can read them ourselves. So in 2 Timothy, let's start there, verse 14 says, Remind them of these things, commanding them before the Lord, that they not argue about words, which leads to nothing of value, 
and to the destruction of those who hear them. Now, I just want to hit on this for a minute because we were in class this morning and we talked about this. Social media, right? Social media. There's somebody posted something on social media the other day and it was so inaccurate. And boy, my fingers wanted to type something. And I said, there's no reason. Why? Because it's a useless argument. I'm not going to get anywhere with it at all. But the same thing needs to apply to the gospel. You don't want to get into these useless arguments about stuff that doesn't matter. Instead, you want to make sure that what you're doing is showing love and driving people to the cross, driving people to Jesus, that they want to know more about God. They want to know more about the, what the Lord can do in their life and how God can strengthen them and how God can, can, can raise them up to be somebody that they're not. Not these little things, you know, and, and let me just, let, let's put it, okay? Not, not did, does, should women wear dresses to church? Should women have long hair? Should they put it up? Should they not wear jewelry? Should... You know, we don't need to get into all that. And then we, we could go deep into this, and I could tell you what, what was going on during that time and what those things were. So much of the time we get so caught up on the outwardness of something instead of saying, no, what is God doing inwardly in the person, and where are they uh, getting to? And today, let me tell you something. We may have a lot of people who are acting uh, or who, who look on the outside look really good, but on the inside, they don't have God. And you don't have to go to church to look good, all right? You don't have to go to church to be moral. So that, that, there's, a, there's, an incon, there's something we don't understand there. Going to church doesn't make you moral. You can be moral outside of church and not be godly, all right? Now, morals come from God. That doesn't mean you're godly. But you can be moral. you probably probably thinking, oh, I know this person right here. They're, they're a pretty moral person. They do good things. But we know good people don't make it to heaven, right? Saved people make it to heaven. Doesn't matter how good you are, you're not going to make it to heaven. Save people, make it to heaven. But we don't want to argue about those little things. Now let's go on to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, study to show yourself approved by God, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now what is, what is a workman? What is a workman that has been approved? You look right now, we have historic, catastrophic flooding in, in Arkansas right now. Now, I could go out there, and I could look at the water, and I could say the water is 27 feet high. And um, I'm going to be like, but I don't know how, how much the water is going to be, how high the water is going to be by Wednesday or by Thursday of next week or by the next week. I don't know nothing. So what do I do? I'm going to listen to people who are approved for that job, people who have went to school, people who have learned, people who have been taught, and I'm going to go listen to them, and they're going to tell me, hey, by Wednesday, it's supposed to crest at 29 feet, and that may change. But, but what? They're approved, right? They have been approved. They went somewhere. They got approved by an organization, by a school, by a college, by the state to say, you are qualified to give us this information. So a workman who is approved by God, why we, what is it about studying to be a workman approved by God is because when we are approved by God, he's saying, yes, you have studied, you know this stuff, now you can go and give that information to other people, all right? And, and, and you can be a pastor and not be approved. I know, I know some very charismatic people out there preach some stuff that doesn't make any sense at all. Why? Because they ain't studying, they're just all in themselves, they're just all in themselves. But we need to study to show that we are approved by God. Now, we're going to go back 
to Second Timothy, or excuse me, to Acts chapter two, verse 40, uh, 42, Right, Acts chapter two, verse forty-two. And last week we talked about this when we talked about the Lord's Supper and we talked about eating. Remember, we talked about how they were getting together and they would have food together, and then they would, at the same time, they would remember the body and blood of Jesus. Jesus says, when you get together to eat, remember my body and my blood. When you break bread together, do this. So remember, we don't have to come to church to take communion. We can take communion at home, dads, singles, individuals. It doesn't matter. You can take communion at home by yourself if you want to. It's about remembering the body and blood of Jesus. But there, when we're talking about revival and we're talking about growing the kingdom of God, not growing the church, because I don't want... I think people, when you say the church, they go, oh, unlimited church or church growth. No, I'm talking about kingdom growth. I want us to grow the kingdom of God. That's growing people who know Jesus, who have turned their life and surrendered themselves to God. And how in Acts did this occur? Now, here's what's a, a very interesting thing. The Bible says that they devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves, all believers, Notice that all believers, not just a few, all believers devoted themselves to these four things, the apostles' teaching, which is what we have today as a scripture, okay? We have the scripture. So they devoted themselves to study and what we just talked about, to fellowship, sharing in meals, and to prayer. So what we're talking about this morning, last week we talked about the Lord's Supper. This week we're talking about studying to show ourselves approved, okay? So they devoted themselves to studying. And here's here's... Here's the interesting thing. We want, as we examine what the, what the church did, the, what we realize, and the more we look at it, and the more that I think is so interesting, is, yes, we're supposed to go evangelize. But the first thing, the number one thing the church did was these four things right here. Notice it didn't say they devoted themselves to evangelizing. It didn't say that. It didn't say they devoted themselves to going out and telling people about Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that we're not supposed to do that. I'm just saying I want us to look at this. When we want to build a foundation that is on God, we don't go out and just run out and just say whatever we want to say. We don't run out and do whatever we want to do. But instead, we need to say, okay, God, we want a firm foundation as a body of believers. And so what do we need to do? We need to look at the scriptures and say, what did they do? What did the early church do? And so one of the things that they did is they, they got together and studied. Now, I know that we can study at home, and we need to study at home. And when, uh, you know, it's like we were talking this morning in our life discipleship groups, and Will talked about how he gets up in the morning, and he spends some time with the Lord in the morning. That's great. But the believers were getting together, and they were studying together. Okay? They were studying. They weren't studying by themselves. They were studying together. Well, what's a good reason why we study together? And when we study together, we start to, we, we, we talk about this over here, and then somebody says, well, wait a minute, but the Bible says this. What happens now is no, we, we're not able to, to get off track as easily and it, with our misunderstanding of Scripture because instead we have an accountability there. We're, we're together. We're going, no, wait a minute, but, you know, we think it means this. Yeah, but the if you take this and you put it in the context of this, now we understand it this way. So now we are able to weed out the things, and instead of, as we have seen some churches do, make their own doctrine, not scriptural doctrine, they make their own doctrine, their own beliefs, and some of them turn out into cults, 
uh, and some of them just, just are off in the left field, and you're like, they may be saved, but when they get there, the Lord's going to have to have a long talk with them because they're way off base. So when we get together like that, we're able to, we're able to weed those things out together. We're able to study together. We're able to, to show ourselves approved because we're getting together. It's just like when you, when you go to college and you sit down and they have those study groups, you know, and you had to go through those study groups. Why are you doing that? So you get that in your head. You learn that. You find out what somebody else is struggling with, what they're trying to think and what they're, oh, but, you know, but I didn't think of it that way. You know, I've had people come up to me after church many times go, man, you know, I never thought of it that way, Pastor. You know, the way you laid it out, I, 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 never, heard, I never heard that. I never thought of that before. Why? Because now we've come together. Now we're hearing more than just our own opinions of what we see, what the Scripture is. It's, it's real easy for us to become a Christian. It's a lot harder to live out our Christian life. And so when we come together, that helps us to live out that Christian life the way that we need to do it. Now, when, we, uh, when we're talking about studying Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16 through 18, it says this right here. <clears throat> this, is, this is Paul. But avoid profane, foolish babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their word will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have erred concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already occurred, and who overthrow the faith for some. So notice, he says, study to show yourself approved, because if you don't do that, then, then what will happen to you is what's happened with these. You're going to hear these people saying things that are not accurate, and you're going to believe them. And then we have people, all right, that say today we have churches. I think today, as a matter of fact, they're having a pride parade in, in Conway. But we have churches today who say that homosexuality is not a sin, even though the Scriptures say specifically that it is. We have people who don't understand that gossip's a sin. And we have people that don't understand adultery's a sin. And sex outside of marriage is a sin. And we, like, how about lying? Oh, we, we didn't know lying was a sin. We thought we could lie just a little bit and it's okay. Why? Because maybe they haven't got together and sharpened each other like iron. Maybe the Christians aren't getting together and sharpening each other. Do you know today, when we talk about getting together to study, there was a survey done, I think, by Barna that said that people who believe that they attend, that they're regular attenders, say you only have to go to church five, uh, every five to six weeks, once every five to six weeks, to be considered a, a, a full-time attender. Every five to six weeks. I don't know about you. How, if you've been to college before, could you go five to six weeks without going to college? And make it through? No, it's not possible. It's not possible. But that's, that's the attitude. That's the attitude that the, we've come to the, in the United States. Matter of fact, some preachers will tell you that uh, if you want to give announcements, you give the same announcement three weeks in a row to make sure you get all the people. Three weeks in a row so you can get all the people. What's happened? We have decided that the importance of us getting together and studying is not nearly as important as we think it is. We actually have um, a lot of the church growth models tell us today, focus only on Sunday morning. Just focus on, don't worry about the rest of the week, just get people there on Sunday morning. Well, it's great you get people there on Sunday morning, get them to give tithes and offerings and keep the church running and pay the salaries for the pastors, whatever else. But what is going on the rest of the time? What's going on in people's lives the rest of the week other than on Sunday morning? 
And the more that we walk away from meeting together, the more that we walk away from studying together, the more we see our country is going this direction, not this direction. And I'm not talking about financially. Maybe we're financially good in our country right now. Okay? Maybe, maybe our GDP is great. Maybe everything's going great there. But spiritually, where are we? When was the last time that you could say that you went to your job and somebody said they were a Christian? You're like, oh, I knew they were a Christian. I would say that, that most of us, you, you go and you go, when you find out that person's a Christian, you go, pfft. I would never have realized. I never would have thought so. The stuff that's coming out of their mouth, Christy talked about this morning. I used to work with a woman, and I found out she was a pastor's wife, and I was like, what? The foul, vulgar language and the, and the things that she talked about that came out of her mouth, I was like, There's, she's a pastor's wife? There's no way. What's going on? Well, the more we get away from that accountability in our studying, the more we get away from that and having, having a direction to go in our studying together. Listen, we can, get, we can study with our families, but when we get together, you know, I feel like I know a lot about the Bible. I've done a lot of Bible study over the years, okay? I feel like I know a lot. But it's amazing. I've sat down with some other people, and we get to talking about something, and then I find out, hmm, maybe that wasn't exactly accurate. Maybe what I thought was true wasn't exactly accurate. How was that that I found that out? Because I was sitting around studying with people, studying with people. Studying is important. And, and notice, I, notice the word study is not reading. Anybody can read their Bible. Anybody can read, people can read their, through their Bible a hundred times and not learn anything. There are, there are uh, theologians out there. There are teachers that are not Christians that read the Bible. All right, there are professors out there that use the Bible as their um, part of their, their, their teaching. I was in college at UCA, and one of my professors, he used the Bible to, to help teach part of our history lesson. But he wasn't a Christian. Why? Because you can, you can read the Bible all you want to, but if you don't study it, and when you study something, you start learning what it means, and now you want to apply it to your life. And when we come together and we study as a group, and we come together as a church and study and meet together, guess what happens? Those people are saying, wait a minute, but we talked about this the other day. Why aren't you applying it to your life? Hey, this is how we should be applying it to our life. It becomes an accountability. But he says, avoid profane, foolish babblings, for they will increase uh, uh, to more ungodliness. So when we get together, let's don't, like I said a minute ago, let's don't worry about the things that don't matter. Let's just get involved in the truth. 2 Timothy 2, verse 19 says, But the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of Christ depart from iniquity. How do you you know what iniquity is if you haven't studied? You don't know what iniquity is. How do you know if it's right or wrong if you haven't studied Scripture? Well, I'll just let God speak to me. Christy was talking to a lady uh, this week, and she says, well, do you believe in God? She said, he says, well, I'm a, and Christy says, because I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus. And Christy said, I felt like I needed to tell her that I believe in Jesus because everybody likes to believe in God. But believe in Jesus is a different story. And he says, she's going through some difficulties. And she says, well, have you thought about praying about it? Well, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I say a prayer here or there. 
I believe that there's a higher being somewhere out there that's probably listening to what I have to say. You see, we, we, can, we can say that we, call, we, we pray, we can say that we've read something, but you know what? Who are you praying to? Do you know? This lady didn't know nothing. As Christy began to talk to her, Christy says, well, I'll tell you what, we have, a, we have a prayer service every Sunday night, and we can pray for you, and we can lift up for you. And the lady's like, I'd appreciate that. What is, but the lady was noticing something different about Christy. There was something different about her. Because what she had studied, what this lady had read and studied and understood about a higher being, she didn't understand that Jesus was somebody that could really make an effect in her life. Instead, well, I could pray to somebody. I could pray to something, and maybe it will change. And Jesus, and Christy's like, no, but Jesus can really do anything that we ask of him if we allow him, if we believe in him. We want that firm foundation so that uh, everyone who calls on the name of Christ, that they will depart from iniquity. But if we don't know that, if we haven't studied, we can't do that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through, 20 through 21 says, In a large house there are not only, uh, only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. One who cleanses himself from these things will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, fit for the master's use, and prepared for every good work. And again, I say, if you're not studying and if you don't know the scriptures, then how can you cleanse yourself from those things that are ungodly? You need those scriptures. Uh, let me tell you something. When I was talking about reading, you could quote scripture and still go to hell, okay? The devil knows the scripture, okay? And he's going to wind up in his place. All right? So it doesn't matter. You hear somebody on television, you love, you, politicians love to quote scripture and have no idea what they're saying. What, that, that part that they use, you know, they take it out of context because it works for them. It works for what they're wanting to say, so they say it. I don't want to go, boy, if you really knew, if you had read the, the sentence before that and the sentence after that and somebody actually sat down with you and you studied what it meant, you would stop saying that. We need to study so that we will understand these things, so that we can be used for the master's use and prepared for every good work. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, So flee youthful desires and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace for, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And in... We could get so much deeper into this too, but what I'm trying to bring to you this morning is we study so that we know that these, these desires that we have are incorrect. So that we could say, depart from me, Satan. Get away from me. I pray against that. I rebuke that. I cast that down because the scripture says this. What did Jesus say? Did Jesus just make something up at which he could? He is God. No, but what Jesus said, he quoted Scripture because the Scripture is powerful. There's nothing that the devil can do. We can quote whatever we want to. We can, we, listen, we can watch every self-help guru that we want to out there, and we can quote what they say. We can look in the mirror every morning and say, boy, I'm a good person. I look beautiful. I, you know, and, and I'd be lying to myself, right? You know, I'd be like, no, I need to fix my hair. I need to shave. I need to, you know, I need to do some other things. But the thing is, we could do all that or we can use Scripture. Because when you're down and out, when your gas tank is empty, when your car's broke down, let me tell you, you can say all the good things in the world. You use God's Word, it doesn't really matter. How, how, how do we have, in Colorado... One out of every six teenagers in Colorado try to commit suicide. 
Did you know that? One out of every six teenagers try to commit suicide in Colorado. Now, here, here, if we would worry about the Scriptures and getting the Scriptures and worry about how can we study and how can we train, and, and, and I am so excited listening to Daniel talk about ministry to the youth because we need this ministry to the youth. And I guarantee you if, you, if you went into his ministry, you would see that there's a lot of training in biblical discipleship and biblical upbringing instead of just a bunch of fun. You see, we can have church and we can have a lot of fun. We can grow the church with a lot of fun. And I'm not saying every church does this, but I've seen so many churches that they focus on the fun factor to get people in the doors of the church. Oh, well, if we could just reach a few. But my question is, if tribulation comes to them, will they stand up? What is going to be the guiding light? What is going to be the foundation that they can cling to to say, I know that I've got tribulation. I know that these bad things are coming to me. But the scripture says this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I can say that because I studied and, and I see where the scripture tells me that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I called on his name. I can study scripture and I can find out that if I give my life to him, that he covers me and he cleanses me and he makes me white as snow and he makes me one of his children. I am a child of God as we sung this morning. I am who he says I am. I could say that, that nothing formed against me, nothing formed against me will prosper. No evil thing can prosper because I'm a child of God. Verses 23 through 26 says, Again, I say, get, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. When we want to, to lead people to Christ, we can't do it by beating them over the head. You ever heard somebody, if you grew up at church, somebody probably went to a church, I have a friend who went to a church, and he said, I always thought that God was a God that had a baseball bat in his hand ready to beat me over the head if I did something wrong. Why is that? Because instead of him having good, solid biblical teaching, he was just being scared into living for the Lord. He was just being scared into living for, the, for Christ. And when we find out that this is a free gift and that the Lord loves us and he's a father, and the Bible says that, uh, that he is such a good father, he says if we who or evil know how to give good gifts to our, our children, how much more would he do great things like send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to us and give him to us? That's what Jesus said. How much more? So how do we do this? How do we study to show ourselves approved? I was just talking about getting together. You know, here at, at Unlimited Church, one of the things, this last Wednesday night, we have a Wednesday night, uh, Unlimited Groups on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., and when we have enough kids, we have the kids go to the back. When we don't, we just all get together. And this last Wednesday night, it, we were going over this right here, gently instructing those who oppose the truth. We're learning right now on our Wednesday nights through our apologetics, how do we discuss the Bible? How do we discuss Jesus with other people? How do we have a conversation without getting them upset? Because we're not out there to get them upset. We want to lead them to Christ. We want them to have questions to say, hey, wait a minute, how do I become or receive what you've already received? And how do we do that? We're doing that on Wednesday nights. Another thing is we have our live discipleship groups on Sunday mornings. 
at 945, where we have teachers that are prepared with curriculum that's prepared to help us learn. Let me tell you something, I can preach, and that's great. And you can go home and you can read, and that's great. But these are opportunities for you to get together and, and, and to train yourself up and train how you're going to share your faith and, and learn and do what, what things that the Lord has called you to do. And see, here's what they were doing in Acts. And you go, well, Pastor, wait a minute. I'm, I come to church on Sunday morning. Why is it important? Well, the next person says, Pastor, I come to church once every three weeks. Why is it important? The next person says, Church, I come every five to six weeks. Why would it be important for me to come more often than that? See, we can start making a list of when we should or when we, ha- when we shouldn't come to church or how often we should gather together as a church body. You see, when I was talking about church growth earlier, when I'm tra- talking about kingdom growth earlier, I- I'm giving you scripture of how the kingdom was grown at this time in the early, early church of Acts. Notice they didn't have lights, they didn't have cameras, they didn't have projectors, they didn't have anything. Matter of fact, remember what I told you, it was 300 years approximately after, after Jesus died before they even had their own buildings they could call their church like we have here. So it says, uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 46 says, and continuing daily with one mind in the temple. Because they would meet in the temple to have, have, they would meet in the temple and from house to house. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So how, how did they do it? They were meeting as a group, as a, as a group of Christians, consistently. And here they were doing it daily. What was going on? What did I tell you early on? In the four things that, that we studied, that we see here, it doesn't talk about evangelization. Why? What were they doing? They were getting together, and they were taking care of these four things and then the Lord was taking care of the rest of it. Did you know that if you're serving the Lord, you're going to have an opportunity to witness to people? But are you prepared to witness to that person? Are you prepared to take them to a point to salvation? Are you prepared to plant a seed or water a seed? Because you want to know something? I grew up, we were rancher, farmers, whatever you want to call it. We did a little bit of everything on ours, okay? We had a hog farm. We had, you know, a few hundred, few hundred sows, and we had chicken houses, and we had cows, and and we'd plant stuff. But if you go to plant something, if you don't have the seeds with you to plant it, what's going to happen? Nothing. If you go to water that and you don't have any water, what's going to happen? Nothing. You go, Pastor, I don't have, I just don't feel like I have the kind of opportunities I need to be able to witness to people. And, oh, what well, it did come up, but I didn't know what to say. I say, well, what we're doing as a church, just as in the, in the book of Acts, we have all these opportunities to come together and to study and to learn and to, and to work off each other. As a matter of fact, I was telling our class, uh, our, our group from Wednesday night, we're, this week I want to do some role playing. When we talk to people, how we're talking to these people, go back and forth. What, we're trying to study the word. We're trying to find out how can we grow the kingdom of God. And if we do that, what will happen is this church will grow too because we're growing the kingdom because that's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about growing the kingdom. I'm not concerned about growing an unlimited church. God started this church, and this church will last as long as God lets it last because I didn't, it wasn't me. I ain't smart enough to do this stuff. I'm going to tell you right now. God is, and he's used me, a willing vessel for this, but I'm not smart enough to do it. But with God, what we say, all things are possible. Praise God. Everything's been possible. With, with what we've done here. 
So they were getting together, studying together consistently throughout the week. And let me tell you something. This is important. You know, we have lots of pastors and lots of preachers who will preach on tithe and offering, tithe and offering, tithe and offering. And that's important. But studying is just as important. You know, you want to be blessed? Yeah, you can give. I'm not saying God ain't going to bless you for giving. But you want to be blessed? Know his word. His word is a blessing. And and, and how do we do that? We get together. See, Acts chapter 2, verse 47 said this. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Again, notice. They didn't put a focus on evangelization. They put a focus on building a great, firm foundation as a church. And what happens is people begin to notice that. People begin to look, and they go, wait a minute. What's going on at that church down there? You know, we can go out and do all kinds of things together. Matter of fact, the Bible says a cord of three strands is a lot harder to break than a cord of one strand. We needed that last night, didn't we? We had to put we had to put two. We broke our first strap when we were when we were pulling this car, and so we had to put two straps together. Why? Because it's harder to break it. And when we at one point we kind of got disconnected for a second, and pow, and it didn't break, right? Why? Because we had more weight distributed across that. And it's the same thing in the church: a cord of three strands. And here's, can I say this? I want our church to be so tight knit together that you can call me, that you can call anybody in the church. I don't want you to ever feel like you can't call me for help. We'll need help. I want him to call me. And if I can't help, I want to call somebody else. And I want us to network that way and, 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 and be so tight together that if we need something, we can say, well, you know, Adam doesn't know. I, but maybe Connie knows. Well, Connie doesn't know. Well, maybe Tina knows or maybe Becky or, or Billy or... Or Juanita, and I'm not trying to leave anybody out. I'm just using some names here, but maybe one of them knows. Maybe Jason knows. One of us. One of us knows. And if we don't, well, you know, I got a buddy. And you know what? If I call him and I let him know what's going on, he'll come help us out. What's happened? See, the early church, the Bible says they had all in common. And that's what, that's what begins to happen. And that's when I talk about getting together, it's not just that we're getting together to study. When we get together and study, we begin to get close. We begin to get tight. And like I said, just in college, you did, when you start study groups, you start, because it gets hard, right? And it's the same thing with Christianity. It gets hard. But when you get together, you begin to get tight. And you begin to get, hey, I could call this person. I'm not going to bug them. I know I'm not going to bug them because they're there for me. Because I was a study group the other night, and we were studying. We were learning this, that, and the other. And I know they will help me out. People begin to look on the outside. They begin to look. And today in this world, people are looking for a relationship that they can trust in. People don't trust anybody. They don't trust anybody. They definitely don't trust our government. Things like 11% trust our Congress or think our Congress is doing any good. So what is it about? What am I saying is we get together, we study, and it tightens us up as a, as a body of believers. And then people on the outside begin to look in. And now the evangelization starts to just be part of what we do. It's a part of what we live out in our life. And we're standing, at the, we're standing in, at, at the Walmart, and we're checking out, and somebody's talking, and we're able to pray with them or talk to them. Or maybe they turn around and they say, hey, don't you go to that church down there in, in town? And you're like, yeah, I do, you know. Well, man, I heard that you had this person that got healed. They had back issues, and they got healed. They sure did. Well, you know what? Uh, I've got some issues. Would you mind praying for me? Uh, you know, can I come to your church? Can you? Yes, we'll do that. I've got a situation with my finances. Yes, we'll do that. 
And we can stand firm and we can be excited because we know the word said it. We study, we know what the word says, and we're ready to go. So anyway, I just want to encourage you today. I just want to say today, study, show yourself approved, a workman that needs not be ashamed. That way you can rightly divide the word of truth and the opportunity is here. Praise God this morning. Let's pray. Can we pray? Lord, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to come together as a body of believers this morning.